Good evening. We are learning Maseches Pesachim, and we are starting Daf Tes, and we are about two thirds of the way down on Chesamid Beis. Uh, reflecting back on our Mishnah on Daf Beis, we learned there about the barrels. We saw then, if you just flip back to the beginning of the page or the beginning of the parak, it says, "Uvame Amru Beis Suros Bemartev." It says, and, and where did they say about the two rows of the Marte? So this is actually where the Gemara picks up because when you read this, the Gemara seems like we were already talking about it almost. Like, oh, remember we, we were talking about the two rows in the, in the Marte? So the Gemara is a little bothered by that. And that's where the Gemara opens at the two dots, two thirds of the way down in Chesmet Bez. Let's get started. You're talking about it like we've already spoken about it, but who mentioned it? Who was talking about it? Who's even mentioned it? It says, and this really means, here's what our Mishnah should say. And we add in some language. What does our Mishnah add? Any place, and this we have in our Mishnah, this language we have, any place where you do not bring chametz to, there's no need to do b'dikas chametz. And in regards to uh, storage houses of wine and storage houses of oil, those uh, as well. All right, we learned yesterday about the distinctions about whether or not you're mistopic from them. This is what our this is what our mission should say. And in what case do we say you have to check the shteshuros b'martev? Our Mishnah really is missing information. It should have been within the, our Mishnah itself, the Mishnah that we're so familiar with. Many of us have learned this Mishnah many times. There's missing text from it. And that's why when we reflect back on this Mishnah, we need to be able to say, hey, we learned the Gemara on Chesmet Beis. It adds in the Gemara, that adds language into the Mishnah in order to give some greater context because Martef, Mandekar Shmei, no one was talking about it yet. The Mishnah refers to it as though we were in the middle of a conversation. So this is the added language. In the Mishnah, we saw that there was a Machlokas Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel, and the language in our Mishnah was that Beis Shammai says it's Shtei Shuros al Kola Martev, that there's two rows on the whole front of the of the cellar, and Beis Hillel said Shtei Shuros al Chitzonos and Hillel said that it's the two rows that are Chitzon Shehin Elyon, the two that are upper and outer. Now there's a Machlokas, a double Machlokas. First there's a Machlokas about what Beis Shammai means, two Shitas, and then there's a Machlokas about what Beis Hillel means. So we're going to get into all four of those shitas right now. We are at the two dots. Um, where are we? Approximately 12 lines up or so, give or take. Beishamai omrim shtei shuros. Chesam and beis. What did I say? I didn't say. Okay. We're about 10 lines up from the bottom. 12 lines up from the bottom. Chesam and beis. Beishamai omrim shtei shuros. What did Beishamai mean? Machloke samurayim. Amar of Yehuda, shtei shuros she'amru min ha'aretz ve'ad shmei korah. They are vertical columns that you have to check. Rav Yochanan Amar, Shura Achas Kimin Gem. It's like a, the letter, uh, it's like a letter from another language. And this letter has like an L shape to it. So some, the, the Mufarish on the side here, he writes, it's like a Dalit Hafucha. So let's say that I'm looking at the front of barrels here. It would be an L shape. One row that's going vertical and one row that's going horizontal. That would be how, um, how the Masor Sashas explains this Shita. Um, uh, within Beishamai, that is the Shita of Rabbi Yochanan. And there are braces to support each. Tanya Kavasid Rabbi Yehuda, Tanya Kavasid Rabbi Yochanan. Tanya Kavasid Rabbi Yehuda, what's the brisa that supports the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda? Beishamai Omrim Shtei Shuros Alpnei Kol Hamartev. That's a quote from our Mishnah. It's in its own brisa. And how do we define it? Ushtei Shuros Sha'amru Min Ha'aretz Ve'ad Shmei Korah. Beautiful, a beautiful text proof to the Shita that is first presented 
um, it, to support Beis Shammai, that's the sheet of Rabbi Huda. And Tanya Kavasid, the Rabbi Yochanan. What about Rabbi Yochanan, who says that it's Kimin Gam? It's like the like a letter that it's like a the letter that looks like a, an inverted Dalit. One faces the doorway and one uh, faces the beams. And um, behind, below, and behind, or and within the depth of the many layers of barrels. That's all she does. Beis Hillel Omrim, and of course we pass in like Beis uh, Beis Hillel. Beis Hillel Omrim, How do we understand this here too? Machlokas Rav and Shmuel. Amarav Elyona v'Shalamate Mena. So if there's like let's say five rows, it's the top row that you see and the row right beneath it. So the top you see the top two rows, but the ones that are on the outer wall facing, but that's where the two are. That's the sheet of Rav. V'Shmuel Amar Elyona v'Shalifim Mena. He says no, it's the top row that you see and the one just behind it that you don't see. So that's the machlokas. Everyone agrees that the top outer row. Within Basilo, the top row that you can see, that's the one. So Basilo, according to one version, is two, the, the two that you see, and the other is the one that you see with the one behind. So well, one deep. So that's Machlokes Beis Shammai. Uh, that's Machlokes within Beis Hillel between Rab and Shmuel. My time at the Rab. Why does Rab say that it's um, Elyon Vashelamata Himeno, that it's the two top ones that you see? D.A. Chitsonos. He looked at the word in our mission. It said Chitsonos. It said the outer ones. I hold on one second. Well, Elyonos Ksani. It also says the word Elyonos, which is obviously what was driving Shmuel. So he says, no, the very, the very low ones that are all the way down at the bottom. Just to teach you that it's Elyonos. You don't have to worry about the ones at the bottom, only the top two rows. Shmuel argued with Rab within Beis Hillel and says, no, it's the top row and the one that's one layer deep, but all top row. So he says, my time, what was the reason why Shmuel held the way he did? Because D.A.K. Elyonos, he looked at the word Elyonos, and Elyonos is the two top ones. So it's the two, uh, the two uh, rows from the front at the top, the top row front, and top row second. So that's what he says were the two. I have but the Mishnah also says chitonos. It says the outer ones as well. So why didn't you say like the other shita? Why did you say it this way? Because to let you know that the ones that are very much inside, the deep, deep ones, those you don't need to do. So just playing with the language. Um, this is Machlokes, Rav, and Shmuel. And we need to know how we paskin. Rav Chia, Tani Kavase, the Rav. Rav Chia was of the opinion that Rav was right. V'chulu Tano'e, all the other Tano'im. And we paskin like Shmuel. So therefore, what did Shmuel hold? Shmuel said that what Beis Hillel held in the mission is, let's say I had a stack of five tall by five deep. So then what, what Shmuel holds, that Beis Shammai holds, is that it's the top row that you can see and the row just behind it. Those are the two rows that require B'dikas Chametz. Good. That brings us to a new Mishnah. We just finished our Mishnah, Baruch Hashem. It took us uh, seven, eight blot, um, and I hope we have some clarity on it. We, if you look back at the Mishnah now, we've learned a lot of sugyas that are just connected to these words. Or La'arbas, or we spoke about, we spoke about yesterday, or Haner. We spoke about what is included when we say, We just added in language into our Mishnah to make sure that Martef makes sense. We just explained two shitas in, in Beis Shammai. We just explained two shitas in Beis Hillel, and we said that the one that we passed in like in Beis Hillel is Shmuel. Beautiful. New Mishnah. I, there are some printout copies of the Shulchan Aruch. We're going to get to that toward the end of the day, um, and uh, I'll, we can hand them out before then. Uh, opens the new Mishnah on the top of Daf Tes Amad Aleph. <clears throat> Mishnah writes as follows. If there are some mice, we don't have to worry so much that a mouse would take food from one house to another house or from one place to another place. Deem came because if your brain starts going there out of concern, then mechatzer lechatzer me'ir in l'davar so. I mean, come on, there's mice everywhere. We, we live in Chicago, there's rats all over the place. So you're going to say that I did Dikas Chametz 
and uh, oh, maybe there's a rat. If you say maybe there's a rat, that argument never ends. And that's why the Mishnah says it's a crazy lumpness. If we're concerned about chametz, who cares about ain't the dover soap? That's not a good argument. If there's chametz, then you should be concerned. So we're going to be debating today within the Gemara, different shitas about how to understand the scope of responsibility out of concern for animals. And the Gemara opens up with our, uh, our inference. And this inference is going to be the bedrock of some of our conversation today. It says the Gemara, Taima, what's the reason why in our Mishnah you don't have to do Badika? Because the Lochazina, the Shakal, we didn't see a rodent take food, but what if in fact I saw a rat in my house take food? Good. So then uh, the diuk from our Gemara is, is that maybe the only reason why our Mishnah says that you're not obligated to do bdika is because you didn't see the animal take anything. But if you see an animal take something, then Pashat, you should be concerned. That's the diuk of the Gemara. Says the Gemara, why would you say that we should be concerned even if you see the animal? Nema uh, achalte. Why don't we just assume that the animal eats it? You ever go in your garbage cans and see that the squirrels have torn open our bags that, that are smell-proof and flavored? And of course, they eat right through them. No problem. They're rodents, right? So why wouldn't we just assume that they ate everything? Says the Gemara, as a text proof to this, Milotnan, we have another Mishnah elsewhere. This is a mission in Ahalos. And this mission in Ahalos is going to conflict, at least at first, is going to conflict with our Mishnah. How does it conflict with our Mishnah? Because it says Gemara seven lines down, Maduro Akum, the places where, where Akum live, where non-Jews live, not the non-Jews of today, it's a whole different culture as we will soon see, Tameim. Those places are Tameim. Rashi, Dibur HaMaschil, just to our right. Dibur HaMaschil, Maduro Sa'ovdei Kochavim, Tameim. Why? Bibnei, this is a very abnormal, Shekovrin Niflehim Bevatehim. Because they actually bury stillborn, they bury uh, miscarriage babies in their homes. And the floors, of course, their homes were made of dirt floors. That's where everybody's at the time. And they didn't uh, have a proper burial for the child. They would bury this child. They bury the stillborn in the house. So it says, going back in the Gemara, this is part of a Mishnah. The Mishnah continues. How long does it have to be that the Goy has to live in this location for there to be a concern? about whether or not they buried a stillborn in such a location. Why Because we know that from conception until 40 days, uh, even though it's painful, of course, for the family to lose a child, even at any point, of course, even before 40 days, but halachically speaking, that's not considered a stillborn. There would be no tuma, for example. It wouldn't be considered a leda, whereupon a woman would become tmea, right? Let's say there was no dam, if there was such a theoretical concept that a child person could lose a baby uh, without seeing them, she would not be a nida. Right, as long as it's not enough dam to make her need, she would not be anita because even though there was a stillborn, but it was prior to day 40, so that's where the number 40 comes from. Is that after day 40, we're already talking about if there's a birth at that point, then she has she'd have to bring a korban like the psukim and tazria we saw a few days ago, but up to day 40. Even if the person's not married, so there, what was that talking about? Because uh, it, it's a promiscuous culture, love dafka, that it had to be a, a monogamous relationship where he had a wife that was pregnant. It could have been that it was a woman that he was with and she was mapelas and they buried it here. Now, this uh, Mishnah closes out. In that location, if animals had access, a chulda and a chazir, if these animals had access to this house, what does this show you? Animals eat food, what they consider food, right? So our Mishnah had an inference that if you see the animal, then you, uh, what did it say? Our Mishnah said, if you see the animal, then we have to do v'dikas chametz. And the Gemara said, hey, wait a minute. 
Why do you have to do bdikas chametz? Animals eat food. Look at the look at the mission in Ahalos. We see that if there's a chulda and a chazer, that they eat uh, they eat food. Nothing to worry about. Says the Gemara. Rabzeir answers. I'm Rabzeir. Lokasha have a basar have lechem. There's a difference between food, which is bread, and food, which is uh, uh, which is meat. How so? Be basar lo mishayra. Animals don't leave o- over meat. Right? They're eating the Rahman al Hassan. They're eating uh, they're eating the, the stillborn. Uh, so they won't leave over any meat. But Mishaira, but when it comes to bread, there's crumbs everywhere. It's not like they're gonna pick up a whole loaf of bread and eat the whole thing. It's not like that. Rava says to Ravzera, What are you talking about? And here we get into a Lamdasha idea. The Gemara says, Oh my Rava, hi my, what are you even comparing? These two cases are not resembling each other at all. Why not? Because Bishlamahasam, I understand. Why in the case of the Akum, where they bury stillborns in there? I understand that case. I got it. Here's what's going on there. Hasam, Amor, Hava, Amor, Lohava. We're not even sure if there was a stillborn in the first place. It's all a chashash derabanan. We're not sure. Suffix number one. Hasam, Amor, Hava. Maybe there was a stillborn, Amor, Lohava. Vi'im, Tim, Tzolomar, Hava. And if you want to say that really there was a stillborn, Amor, Achalte. Maybe we could say the animals ate it. We have two sveikos. That's what we call in halacha a svek sveika. It's a suffix upon which there is another suffix. Suffix number one is, was there ever a stillborn that was buried there? And even if worst case scenario, the answer is yes, suffix if the animals ate it. Fine. That's a svek sveika. But says the what's our Mishnah talking about? Our, we know that the animal was there. We saw the animal take the chametz. That's only one suffix. The only suffix was Achila. We know, we know that, the, that the animal was there. So maybe he took it into my house. So it says the Gemara, here's what we have. This is the Lamda Shalain, a very well-known Shas topic. Have a suffix vivadai, ve'ein suffix motzi midevadai. Our Mishnah is a case where when you look at the old school scale, on one side you have a vadai, I saw the animal take bread. And on the other side, I have a suffix of did he eat the bread or not? Ain suffix motzi midevadai. And therefore, you should need bedika. But in the case of the of the of the akum with the stillborns, that's not suffix and vadai. That's not. That's a double suffix. It's not regular. It's suffix and suffix. There was no vadai in that case. So the case that the Gemara wanted to ask from is not eligible to be asked from. It's not suffix and vadai. Our Mishnah is ain't suffix yotzi mide vadai. Ain't suffix. It just the language just it's a suffix. And vada and ain't suffix motzi mide vada. Our Mishnah is only one a case of one suffix. But the case of the of the Madura, the Madura of the Gaim is two Sveikos cases are not comparable. It says the Gemara, really? The ain't suffix motzi mide vada? I can show you a bunch of rise where we see that that it's uh that we see that a, a case of suffix can override a vadai. The Gemara is now gonna ask two questions, each of which will have two answers, and then we will move forward. Halfway down, Tesmadov says, Gemara, we have a brysa where we show that we break our Mishnah's rule. We have a, a, a brysa that shows that, yes, the Suffolk can trump a vada. If there's a chaber, as we've already learned in this Masechta, a chaber is a person who keeps halacha very carefully, and he passes away, unfortunately. And he has a basket filled with fruit. Even if it's just of that day, What's the din? I rain the cheskas mesukanim. I says the Gemara, the ahacha devadai tvilehen pere. We know that it's tevel. That's that's the vadai part. What's the suffix? The suffix meusarin. The suffix lo meusarin. We only have one suffix. We have a vadai that is tevel and one suffix. Was this person maaser before he died? Did he tithe before he died? The kaasi suffix vamotzi mi de vadai. Says the Gemara, 
our Mishnah says, Ain Suffolk Mosi Midevai. What about this case? This case is a Suffolk of whether or not he was Ma'aser against the Vadai of Tevel. Uh, we said that it's not Tevel anymore, where you're allowed to eat it. Why? Ain Suffolk Mosi Midevai. You're not allowed. Says the Gemara, two possible answers. Number one, Hasam, it's not Suffolk in Vadai. That's uh, easy. Hasam Vadai Vivadai who? If you're a chaver, you definitely are going to be ma'aser. As long as there was enough time for this person to give ma'aser, he did it. You said this case is a kash in our Mishnah because it's suffolk and vaday. This case is not suffolk and vaday. It's vaday that there was tevel and vaday that he gave ma'aser. So no, you cannot bring a proof from here. You're asking our Mishnah. Our Mishnah is Suffolk and Vada. That's what's on the scale. This is not that case. This is Vada and Vada. Okay. Uh, the Mephorshim point out that if, God forbid, he dies in an extremely tragic way, then we don't say you have to, you're allowed to eat it. There had to have been ample time. If he died of natural causes, the Mephorshim point out, that's when we would rely on this, where, the, where the, it's Vada Vada. But if he gets, God forbid, hit by a car uh, while everything is going on, then no, then you're not allowed to eat the food. It needs to be tithed afterwards. That's not, that, that would not work. Answer number two, we are uh, six lines, seven lines from the bottom. Vibayisema, a second answer to whether or not we hold of the principle of suffix, ain't suffix motzi midevadai, says the Gemara, maybe the case of this person who was a chaver, maybe it was a suffix the suffix who, right? These are great ways to get out of the problem. We're asking about suffix and vadai. Maybe the case of the chaver was a suffix and suffix. How so? Dilma, there is a loophole. Maybe it never reached the stage where it actually became Tevel. How could that happen? If a person brings the food into their house, while the food while the food is still covered in its shell, this is a case where you can exempt yourself from, from Maiser. Is a shaila, is this mutter? Is it ideal? Is it not ideal? Take a look at Rashi to see some of the details. Rashi toward the bottom, six lines from the bottom of the page. We don't treat this like it's gorno shel tevel, that it's the grain that is now tevel. We don't do that. This is a loophole that is built in. So maybe this case is a case of a double suffix. Suffix if it was ever tevel and suffix of whether or not he was maaser. Good. So we solved the problem on that one. Says the Gemara, three lines from the bottom. Wait a minute, I'm going to ask again. I know you answered my last marimakom about the chaver, but I have a new marimakom for you to contend with. Ve'atanya, another very unfortunate scenario, similar to the one we started with today. Ve'atanya, Amr Yehuda, there was a, a matzik. The last Rashi on the page writes, matzik ish alama, very strong person. I don't know what the context is. And uh, the shifcha, unfortunately, had a stillborn, and the baby was placed into a boar. Turning to the top of Daftes Amadbez. A kohen. A kohen is going to go stand over a maze, potentially? What about the Yisra of becoming tummy? Kohanim are not allowed to do that. So what, what's happening here? How is that allowed? Well, that's kind of what we're discussing here. Uva Kohen, he looks, he peers over the edge, the Hitzitzbo, and looks inside the pit, im zacharhu im nekevahi. He's checking what the gender is of the child. Why? Tomb of Atara purposes. How long does this woman have to wait? Does she, is she waiting seven days? Is she waiting 14? Does she bring a Corbin on day 40? Does she bring a Corbin on day 80? Does she bring neither because the child is too young? So we have to figure all these things up. And they said that this Kohen, by the way, the Kohen is not even tummy. 
We see that there are animals there. So says the Gemara, this proves that we do say that a suffix can trump a vada. How so? Third line. The ahacha, the vada hitila. The case was where she said she had a, a stillborn and the baby was then placed into the pit. We don't know as to whether or not that animal uh, took the food, we took the took the the mace away. We don't know. You have a suffix and you have a vada, and we see that the suffix is mosi mide vada So how does that work? So it says the Gemara because That doesn't seem to make sense. It seems like we've broken our rule. It says the Gemara. Answer number one. Textual problem with the brisa. Don't say that she actually. Um, she actually uh, put the afterbirth into the pit. Maybe it's not a case of suffolk and vada. Maybe it's just a case of suffolk and suffolk. And she didn't have a proper leda. She had kimin leda. Remember we learned about this in Masachas Nida? There are different types of, of births. Some of them look like animals of different kinds. Are they human? Are they not even a whole bunch of shilas about what women could discharge in the process of, of having these complicated births? So this was kimin nefil. So no, that was suffix number one. We don't even know if it was a, if it was an afterbirth. We have no idea if it was actually a stillborn. The habi suffix the suffix. So says the Gemari, that that's not possible. You can't say that that's the case because the halei daim zachar huim nekeva hiktani. But the Bryce says what the Cohen was doing. He was looking to see what the gender was. So we know that she had a stillborn of a nafel, of a human. No, we're, this wasn't kimin anything. We know exactly why the Cohen was there, says the Gemara. Another change in the Bryce. Really, it should have been Leda. What was the cooking Kohen looking at? Leda im hipila, im nafel hipila. Was it just some, uh, some type of, uh, of sack of cells that she had given birth to? That's the first thing. And had it been that it, in fact, Taka was a real birth of a human, of a proper formed human, then answer number one. So in other words, we, we said we have a case of suffix and a case of vadai. Says the Gemara, no, you don't. You have a case of a double suffix and you cannot argue uh, against our principle of ain't suffix motzi mide vadai. And now we're about 10 lines down, second answer. And if you want to say, it's vadai vivadaihu. There, we're talking about two vadais. And therefore, you can't argue that this case questions ain't subic motzi What's the vadai vivadai? Because, says the Gemara, yes, she definitely had a leda. That's one vadai. And number two is keivan dechulda ubardlus mitsuyansham vadai gerobia there's no doubt about it that these animals would have taken whatever remnant uh, of flesh was there. But it's true that they may not finish every last bit, which goes against what Rabzera said on the previous page. Rabzera said that all meat gets consumed. Okay, fine. But here, what do we see? What we see is that the animal, at the very least, would be would be removing the remnants of the human being from from that uh, space, and therefore it's vadai and vadai. We're one third of the way down on testament base. We're going to be stopping at about 15, 20 lines, give or take 15-ish lines. We'll be stopping at the two dots, two thirds of the way down. And when we get to the end, there, we're going to look at the Shulchan Aruch to see how beautifully the Shulchan Aruch synthesized everything that we've learned today. Says the Gemara, going back to a question on our Mishnah. Our Mishnah specifically told us on the top of the previous Amud, So the Gemara is questioning that. You said, really? 
I think we should be concerned, says the Gemara. Why should we be concerned? Because says the Gemara, you're not concerned? The next Mishnah writes, whatever is left of the chametz, if you leave anything that's left over, you need to put it in a box. Why do you need to hide it for? Why do you need to put it in a box? Doesn't that imply that if you leave it available to the public, that maybe an animal will take it? And then we would be choshesh. Why then does the Mishnah write bitzina? Why does the Mishnah say that you have to hide it bitzina? Why do you have to hide it? What are you concerned about? I don't understand. That doesn't make sense with our initial understanding of our Mishnah. We started our Mishnah and said, in choshesh, and we're not concerned. And then we said in the next Mishnah, you got to put it in a box. Why do you have to put it in a box? Obviously, we're concerned. Says the Gemara, answer number one of three. Answer number one. Amar Abaye, halfway down, Lokasha, Habe Arbaasar, Habishloshasar. Depends on the day of Nisan. Why does it depend on the day of Nisan? Because when the mice come around, Bishloshasar, Dishriach Rifta, Bekul Hubate, they see bread everywhere. They're looking, supply and demand. Okay, I see there's a lot of food out there. I don't need to take everything home with me now. I'll come back a little bit later and I'll take a little bit more, right? Smart rats, right? They're smart mice. So then, lo mitzna. So then they're not going to take everything into hiding. But But on the 14th, the mice are going to come and be like, what happened to all my food? They're going to see one piece of bread. They're going to chap a rind. And then, uh, and then uh, they're, uh, let me finish the sentence. They see the houses are almost empty from bread. Then mitzana, then mitzna. Then they're going to take the bread. So Rava says back to Abaye, first of all, Hulda was one of the female prophetesses. This is a play on words. You have to know a little bit of history. Shari Hulda is one of the gates by the, in the base of Mikdash. Hulda was, an, was, a, was a prophetess. So this line of Hulda Neviyahi is a, a little, uh, little remnant to Tanakh. But he's asking here a practical question. You think these guys have like the time on their watch? Like, oh, oh, 14th of Nisan, they're cleaning house. Guys, everybody bring everything down to the sewers. What are you talking about? They're, they're rats, they're mice. They don't know the difference between the 13th of, of Nisan and the 14th of Nisan, that's ridiculous. Therefore, he gives his own answer. Therefore, he says, let me just finish this question. Yeah, we're doing tonight, everybody. They, they like, you know, send out a WhatsApp message. Everyone make sure to clear house. All the mice, bring all the chametz down to the sewers. That's ridiculous. Elamar Rabbi gives his own answer. Whatever is left over, this next Mishnah, the second Mishnah that we're concerned about, the next Mishnah, whatever is left over, what we are concerned about is not in contrast with our Mishnah, but exactly the way we understood our Mishnah. What was the first thing that we said about our Mishnah today? We said an inference. That's only when the animal is not in front of us. But when the animal is in front of us, so then we have to do another Badika. Pasha, we have to do another Badika. So says the Gemara, that's exactly, Rabbi says, that's exactly what's going on here. Why do we need in the next Mishnah to put the food in a box? Why do we have to hide it? Because if we see an animal take chametz, then we have to do Badika's chametz again. That's a problem. That's why the second Mishnah says what it says. And in fact, Tanya Namihachi, we have a Brisa that's, a, uh, did I read this? There's a brisa that supports the shita of Rava. 
If a person wants to eat chametz after Bdikas chametz is done, what should you do? Says the Brisa, supporting Rava. Because Rava's answer is perfectly supported. All we were concerned about is that we might see an animal actually taking food in front of us. And if that happens, our Bdikas is a zero. We have to start again. A beautiful raya and a brisa to Rav. I don't even know why the Gemara continues, even though the next one's quoted on Shulchan Aruch too, but Rav had a beautiful proof. Says the, says the Gemara, a last answer. Rav Mari Amar Gzeira, Shema Yaniach Eser, Benimatse Tesha. What we were concerned about, and the reason why we had to put things in a box, is because Shema Yaniach Eser, maybe you'd put out 10 pieces, already a hint to some of the Minhagim that we have, maybe you'd put out 10 pieces, Benimatse Tesha, and you would only find nine of them. Therefore, we should put them all in a box because if you know how much bread you had and you lost some, then of course you'd have to do some dikas chametz. Absolutely, that's true. So we're going to read the Shulchan Aruch now. You're welcome to have a sheet or if you want. You don't have to have. I can read it out loud. Uh, but we're going to be reading the Shulchan Aruch and as well a couple of, of beautiful Mishnah Brewers here. Now, as we're doing this, I just want you to, oh, I can screen share for you guys here. I have a right here. Um, This is the Shulchan Aruch and Simon Taf Lamed Dalat Sifalat. These are the Dinim Anogim Tekev Achra Abdika, the halachos that apply immediately after Abdika's uh, Chametz. Says in Sifalat, Shulchan Aruch writes, Achra Abdika Yehi Nizhar Bechamet Shemeshayr Lahatznio. You should make sure that you hide it. Why? Whose answer does the Gemara pick? Uh, does the Shulchan Aruch pick? Kedei Shaloi Yitzarech Abdika Acheres. That's Rava, right? That's rubber. It's a rubber. Just said we don't want to get stuck again. Kigon she need lenu achbar befanenu. That's rubber. Oh, the third answer that we saw, Rav Murray. Oh, im yechsar lachmo kigon shenech eser kikos kikar kikaros vim satens. So what did the Shulchan Aruch do? He looked at our our contrasting Gemaras. He saw that our Mishnah and the second Mishnah don't work. He saw that there were three recommended answers in the Gemara. Totally blew a bay out of the water. We don't accept that at all. He accepted answers two and three and wove them into the Shulchan Aruch. What happens if nothing happened? You did your badika, there's no mice, nothing happened. If nothing else happened, there's no need to do another badika, which is exactly the line of our Mishnah from today. We don't have to worry if a mouse were to potentially, we don't have to worry about it. That's not our concern, only if it's lefanenu. And then we would talk have to do another badika. Take a look at the Mishnah Brewer at the bottom, the first underlined line, Akhara Badika. Even if you're in the middle of Badika and you find some chametz, if you want to eat food for the next day. In our family, we always have a table that we move out of the kitchen. We put the toaster, all the chametz goes there. We have a dedicated spot for it. You should do that. Because otherwise you should be concerned. What we should be concerned about is if you don't keep them all in one spot, then maybe you tell Akbar and then we should be concerned. So you should try and keep everything in the same place. Now, here we're going to see another concern. If you look down just one more line where the gimel is underlined, uh, the Mishnah Brewer here cautions us about something that some people are not careful about. Let me scroll. Sorry, guys. Got to scroll for you here. So here on the we're in the in the middle of Seif Katan Bays, where four lines from the bottom there, Mishabura, he writes, there are those who only are careful with the chametz that they pick up during the shaspadika. But the other chametz that they're planning on eating over the coming days, they're really not makbit about it. Says the Mishnah, they're not doing the right thing. 
So we need to keep all of our chametz in, in the right place and in a protected place. Because otherwise, if in fact it were to be the case that we, there was a chulda, there was, you'd have to do another bidika. And there's a big machlok, you make a bracha, and then I, we don't, we pass in the kula, you don't make a bracha, this is very halacha lemaisa. Look at Sif Katan Dalit and the Shar Hatzinun, three lines from the bottom of the page, two lines from the bottom of the Shar Hatzinun. V'ayin v'chai adam, v'chai adam, right, shekasav de ba'ofen zeh, lo yo'il lo b'dikaso. Your b'dikas chametz doesn't do anything for you. Why not? Because, um, because you didn't, you weren't matzniya, you didn't put your food in the right place. Animals could easily have moved it if you live in such a place. It's as if you've done nothing. So we should be makbit When we are going to be bodek for chametz and as many months as whatever it's going to be, four months or so, when we do bodekas chametz, we should make sure that all the chametz that will remain until biur needs to be cordoned off possibly enclosed in a way that we know that no animals can get to it because if God forbid there would be animals that could get to it, that would be a problem and would lead to uh, the need to do another again without a bracha. We'll stop here for tonight and pick up in Rosh Hashem tomorrow night with Tisha Tziburin. Have a beautiful night.